Tristan, thanks for joining us at Noosa Church's God in Us podcast, where we believe that the God in us is our real story to be told. Our church family is full of incredible people who are living out their faith every day and living lives that are bringing glory to God. Let's hear about the God in us. Good afternoon, Anita Searle. How are you? (laughs) Good, thank you. How are you? (laughs) Good. This is going to be fun. (laughs) I'm excited. Are you excited? I am, and a little nervous. Oh, good. I'm glad I've made you nervous. This Mm -hmm. is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I've discovered is that usually most of my information about people is incorrect. So (laughs) I'm going to tell you what I do know about you, and then you can just tell me that it's all completely wrong. So uh, what I do know is Baby Whisperer, definitely. Try to be. And... um, the uh, biggest lover of children that I think I've ever met in my entire life, which <laughs> then suits your position. Yes. Um, wife, mother of two, and um, definitely from fun country. Yep. And you've got a lot of siblings too, haven't you? Uh, three. Oh, only three? Yeah, not that oh, many. there you go. It's Nathan that's got a lot of siblings. Yes. Yes, there you go. I do get confused. So. <laughs> You're doing yes. Well. All correct. <laughs> there you go. So far. All correct. Oh my goodness. There you go. Um, how long have you lived in Noosa? We have been here for thirteen years. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So tell me about pre-Noosa. Uh, how Young far Anita. Pre? <laughs> Do you grow up in a Christian family? Uh, I did. Yes. Yep. Um, for almost my whole life, my mum and okay. dad have both been saved. Yep. Um, we, my dad was actually a sergeant in the army, so we got moved around oh. a lot when I was younger. I, I think by the time I was in grade three, I'd been to about eight different primary schools. You're joking. No. Wow. So that was fun and you got to learn to make <laughs> friends really quickly. We used to, my little sister and I used to, uh, were we in this one town that we went to? It was very small, surprisingly, although it was small, we couldn't find any kids to play with. <laughs> So we actually put an ad up at the post office, which my parents were looking at buying and said, looking for a friend, you know, six to seven years of age. And these two little girls came along. It was beautiful. It was really good. That is so cool. So you learn to make friends really quickly. Can you imagine your kids doing that today? Gosh, no. I would be like, there is no way you were doing that. However, mum and dad knew because it was very small. Yes. Oh, that is so cool. I love it. Wow. Um, and then we moved to Redcliffe when I was about eight. Okay. And there we stayed. Mm. So mm. that that was home for most of your childhood. Yep. Yep. It was good. And then, so school and then after school? After school, high school, um, I... You went on to study? Did. Uh, I was... St- Currently studying, when I was in high school, I was studying childcare. Uh-huh. Um, but then I ended up just using that period, like you got a study period to actually go and do study for your TAFE. Mm-hmm. I never actually did that study. So by the time I'd left high school, I could have had my certificate, but because I, I didn't <laughs> do it, I had to then, when I got a job in childcare, I actually then had to go back and go and do redo it. <laughs> nice. Yes. Nice. I like so it. I did that. And then we went, uh, and then I. Um, worked in childcare for uh, I was about six years in one childcare centre, and then I met Nathan. And then so, how old were you when you met Nathan? Uh, Twenty-one mm-hmm. when I met him. Youngin, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. yes, not as young as some. And uh, how did you meet? 
Dave Connett organised a ski trip for young adults and it was down at Perisher and there was um, a, a group of different INC churches or COC at the time were invited and he, because he was a pastor's kid, his church was invited and we met there. Wow. At Perisher. Mm. There you go. It was On very a cool. youth group camp, essentially. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. It was very nice. And lived around the same area to each other? No. I lived in Redcliffe, obviously, mm-hmm. and he lived in Inverell, which was about six hours' drive. No way. Yeah. It was a long so trip. So how often did you see each other? <laughs> um, most of the time it was every two weeks. One of okay. us would make the trip up or down. Yep. So okay. it was just a... It was always a, seemed to be a flying visit. Yep. And you always try to make sure that you don't have anything on, or if you do, it's, you know, you, where the youth are going to, you know, I don't know, bowling or something, and go, okay, good, he can come along to that, or I can go and join him in whatever they did down there. Wow. Talk mm-hmm. about long distance relationship. Yeah, it was hard. So, how long did you do that for? Uh, he proposed to me after one year of knowing him, mm-hmm. which was to some very quick. Um, and then three months after that, we were married. Okay. Yep. Yep. Too far to travel. Oh my gosh. So far to travel. <laughs> Even trying to organize a wedding with him six hours away I was bet. horrendous. Yes. Yes. But that was okay. Simple wedding. Yeah. So do you remember the point then in your childhood when you made a decision for Christ? I, I don't remember the first time. Okay. I have, was, I was told that I asked uh, the Lord into my heart when I was five um, however, through my teenage years, I, well, older teenage years, I didn't necessarily live that kind of a lifestyle. I decided to do things my own way, although I would still go to church. I would okay. still attend youth group. I was still in leadership in the kids' ministry at, at my old church. So that was actually quite unusual because the kids' pastor at the time knew that I had been out the night before or yeah. very early that morning um, <laughs> and he would punish me, punish me by saying, I don't want to see you stop moving. He goes, you're going to run all the games. You're going to run all the songs. If Fantastic. you stop, you are in trouble. And I'm like, okay. And I'm <laughs> dying on the outside and the inside. It was actually really tough. But um, it was because of him and other people in my life that I actually got to the point, it was actually fairly quickly, thankfully, where I'm going, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, wow. It's really not... It's not fun for me anymore. I just lost my drive and, well, in that area, I didn't want to go clubbing anymore or drinking or doing silly things like that. So I'm like, "Mm, okay. I told my friend one day and she was extremely disappointed and told me many times (laughs) that she was sad. But then I looked back and I thought even, you know, 10 years, 15 years later, I look her up. And they're still doing the same thing. And oh, I'm like, wow. yeah, I'm like, Gosh. you're way We're too old. We're not so young anymore. <laughs> oh, no. You've got to find a new hobby. But, wow. Um, yeah, so that was just my decision. I thought, nope, that's enough. I've had enough now. I don't want to do that, which was great. And Best so decision. was it easy to have that season of walking away from God? Um, it seemed easy, I think, at the time. Uh, looking back, I feel like I wasted those years where I could have um, improved in my walk or um, 
I don't know, God may have taken me in a different direction than where I am now. I'm highly doubtful, I mean, I've worked with kids for pretty much my whole <laughs> life, but, <laughs> you know, there could have been a different, a different um, area for me if I didn't actually do what I did. I could be in a different country or who knows where I would be. But because I took that time away from God, I guess, it then God had to then start from scratch when I was ready, which for a lot of us, you know, God wants to work through me. Well, he can work through me when I'm ready, mm. which is the totally wrong attitude to have. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, it was it was hard to look back on and go, why did I bother? Yeah. But it was good in the end. I, it was lessons learnt and I get to share those experiences with other people and help them to hopefully not do what I did. Yeah. Mm. So what do you think? Was there a, a defining moment that took you um, away from your walk with God or was it a series of moments, do you think? Um, I don't really think it was a defining moment. I didn't have any trauma. I didn't, uh, like my childhood was amazing. I loved growing up the way I did. You know, everyone has their family members that are annoying and, you know, that kind of thing, which everyone deals with. But overall, my, like, I grew up in a beautiful home. Yeah. And so there wasn't, I don't think it was anything family related. I think it was just the friends that I was hanging out with at the time, even though I had youth group and they were um, brilliant. I loved them. I still see them from time Mm. to time. Um, But they weren't my only friends. So at school there was a different group and at church there was a different group. Mm. So it made it very... Uh, I guess, easy to be a different person at school than it was to be at mm. church. Because even though some of the youth guys came to church, uh, came to school, they weren't in the, my friend group at school. Yeah. So I was able to be, I guess, a different person. Yeah. So it was just a over time. And then those wrong people that were in my life invited me to go out. And I'm like, mm, okay, I've got nothing else to do. Let's do it. And then I just kind of got caught up in all that for a little while. Mm. Again, very short period of time, but long enough. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good. <laughs> it's good to get out of it. Yeah. You don't strike me as a um, easily led person. I try not to be, especially now. I am quite a headstrong, stubborn. No. <laughs> and when I have an idea in my head, uh, I do like to go with that idea if I can Mm. um, in probably most areas of my life. But I guess, so in high school, I ended up going through a period of time where I was quite, I felt quite rejected. So when I first went to high school um, in grade eight back at that time, uh, my, there was a young girl who was assigned to me to show me around the school and, you know, show me where my classes were going to be. Uh, And that was lovely. Uh, But then the next day, she didn't want anything to do with me at all. So I found it very difficult to, I guess, just from that one experience to then ask somebody else or Mm. try and make friends in another area. Even though at youth, I was this sanguine, hug everybody, go and meet all the new people. But at school, it was very different. Yeah. So I ended up talking to a lot of the teachers and had... Um, lunch with like teacher aid kind of teachers. Uh, And so my conversations with adults 
that skill grew very quickly because that's who I was hanging out with. And it wasn't until grade 10 that somebody actually um, came up to me, a new girl actually came up and said, asked if I would like to sit with her in art class. And on the inside, I was bawling my eyes out because I was so happy. But on the outside, I'm like, yeah, that'd be nice. Thanks. (laughs) Trying to play it cool. Yeah, totally. Which I don't play cool very often. I at the, like now, obviously, I show emotion and excitement and sadness. I show it all very openly. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so it took me a little while to, I guess, um, feel confident in myself again to be able to be the person I am now, even though um, back in high school, because I felt so rejected at the beginning, I thought, okay, well, the only way that I can kind of be accepted by these people is to um, go along with what they're doing. Yeah. So I guess I was just hanging around the wrong people yeah. and I thought, oh, this is going to get me accepted into their little group. Mm. So that's what I did. It's such a tricky time in life, isn't it? it and is. it's where we, those split second decisions mm. can completely change the trajectory trajectory yep that word <laughs> of our life absolutely yeah you know in that moment and then you go well you know there's a couple of years where mm. <laughs> I made those stupid decisions yeah. but then now I'm back on the path that's right yes and so I'm I'm constantly on my children um to make sure that they're making the right decisions in their friendships yeah to you know to look at how their friends that they've got at the moment are acting what they're saying what mm. they're doing to make sure that they're making the right choice. Yeah. And it's it can be really tough because they too want to be accepted. Totally. So for them, you know, oh, my friend, they were swearing, but they're kind of like the only ones that I had to hang out with today, so I just went along with it. I'm like, that's not okay. We need to look at other friendships somewhere else then. It's so not just a kid thing, is it? Absolutely that? not. I mean, how many adults <laughs> do you see? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> being a completely different person. Mm. And you do. We're so susceptible to getting sucked into our environments, aren't we? Yeah. You know, I remember a point in my life where I worked for a builder for a few years. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Talk about the language (laughs) in that place. You know, and it's it's um, isn't it amazing how quickly you become desensitized to yes. it? Yes, and you you quickly um, adapt to your surroundings, mm-hmm. don't you? And it's so true, isn't it? And, and sadly, you join in totally. And I think that's probably one of the greatest challenges for us as believers, isn't it? Is that tension to be in the world but not of the world? That's right. It's it is such a fine line to work out where that line is like it's so very difficult and it only takes that one time for you to slip up for people to then I guess not hold it over your head but to a point that's exactly what they do Mm. or they think that that's going to be how you're going to act from now on until you decide hang on I've got to pull myself up here because this is not me this is not Mm. how I thought that I would be acting or talking or whatever the situation is so Mm. until you pull yourself up no one else is going to do it for you absolutely so true isn't Mm. it so yes so just to uh divert um ever so slightly (laughs) uh we had a bit of a uh bonding moment Mm -hmm. over you saving your husband's life (laughs) (laughs) we had a very lovely bonding moment (laughs) tell us about that (laughs) how long ago was that that was 2000 and 
2014, almost 2015. So it was yeah, two right. nights before New it Year's. It was two. Mm. That's right. We were meant to go to America in 2015. Yes. And we didn't. <laughs> so what happened? Well, my amazing husband was actually working in here, the studio, with Jamie that night. I think it was a Monday night and they were just obviously back then the studio was three years into being built and still going no I'm joking <laughs> it took a long time though yes <laughs> so they were just I don't know doing some stuff in here and he came home around 10 30 that night and then 11 30 he started um I guess having a seizure you were in bed we were in bed yeah uh, I was asleep and he started like his elbow started digging into me really hard so I woke up and I'm shoved him and I said what are you doing <laughs> and then he made some weird noises so I looked over <laughs> and he's just his eyes are rolling in the back of his head he's on his stomach um eyes are rolling in the back of his head making all these grunting noises I'm like this is what's going on are you okay didn't say anything face planted the pillow then got back up again and started grunting and I'm like if you don't tell me you're okay I'm gonna call an ambulance and he didn't say anything so that was it yeah called an ambulance I was petrified because I'm like, I don't, I don't know. This is totally out of my depth here. Like this is not something that happens all the time, thankfully. (laughs) (laughs) Or that we're prepared for. You can do all the first aid training in the, in the world, but as, well for me, but as soon as I was in an, an environment or a situation where I needed to use it, it just all went out the window. I had... Because well, it I didn't think, all go out the window. Well, thank you to the ambulance person on the other side of the phone who was saying, now do this. Oh, yeah, okay, I remember how to do that. <laughs> so one of the hardest parts is so actually... So he had stopped breathing? Uh, yes, not at first. Okay. Um, so I had to roll him over, which was so hard because mm, he was so heavy and his weight. whole body was, yeah, it yeah. was so limp. So he was still breathing and his heart was like, I could literally see his chest racing. Oh. And then um, all of a sudden it stopped and I was talking to the ambulance guy on the phone and I said, this is what's happened. And he goes, all right, you need to start CPR. And I'm like, this, okay. And it was at that moment where I knew how incapable I was and I literally paused for a moment and I called out and I said, God, you have to help me. And it was then that I, I'm like, okay, I can do this. And I, you know, listened to the guy on the phone and he counted while I did the compressions and uh, I, it was actually so difficult to do it on a bed because yes. the mattress just sinks Sinking as I'm pushing in, yeah. onto his chest. So that didn't really, I don't really think it did a lot, <laughs> but it was enough to kind of get him through until the ambulance officers arrived. They yanked him off the bed in like five seconds flat or even less than that. Yeah. And they had him all wired up and I left by then and got the kids, which... The kids stayed uh, asleep or did they wake up? they woke up and they were calling out to me in the middle as I'm trying to give CPR to Nathan. Mommy, what's the matter? And I said, just, it's okay, just stay in your room. And I'm like, what is happening? I would hate for them to walk in and see that, even though they were quite young and wouldn't have known, just to have that... Yeah trauma of seeing that and then realizing you know later on that daddy was in hospital something bad must have happened so um yeah so the kids woke up I told them to stay in their room which they did and then um when the ambulance guys came that gave me a few seconds to call you guys actually you were only a few minutes down the road heavily pregnant with Arabella that's right and um I just said Nathan's had a heart attack you have to come now and you guys were there in a few minutes which was amazing um, 
and then you prayed with me and um, not that it made it, it didn't seem like it was better. Like there was still a lot of stress and... They were still working on him when work- we got there. Yeah. Which so was it quite took them amazing, a while, wasn't it? Yeah, to get his heart rate back. Um, they did say that normally in those circumstances, the patient doesn't actually make it. So uh, he was one of the lucky ones, I guess. And they just kept going until they got a heart rate. And then um, Josh helped the ambulance guys carry him out to the ambo. Three ambulances parked in our cul-de-sac yes. <laughs> at, at midnight. midnight. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even though there was a lot of um, noise coming from our house, obviously, even uh, I, I was actually very disappointed looking back. Not one neighbour came over yeah. to see if anything, if everything was okay. Or So it wasn't until... A few weeks later, I guess, that um, someone actually said, oh, there was some ambulances in the street the other night. What was that about? Oh, and I'm like, oh, wow. okay. <laughs> so if you see an ambulance uh, in your street that's got its sirens on in the middle of the night, go and check on someone. Make sure they're okay. <laughs> see if you can care for them. <laughs> yeah, yes. absolutely. Especially being a neighbour, not yeah. just some random person. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, wow. So that was tough. So Josh stayed with the kids and I came oh, with you to the hospital. Let's not talk about that story. <laughs> <laughs> Josh experienced what well, was good for him to have an experience with the kids mm-hmm. before Arabella came along. So that yes. was good. He so. said I, I had changed him that night. He is <laughs> now not as um, – because it was all pre-kids for him. So yes. he was very tidy. And then he came into my house, which had laundry everywhere and dishes in the sink and my, my <laughs> that was bedroom. the reality. Yeah. My tiny bedroom was packed full because we had um, we had a spare bed in the spare bedroom and didn't want to crowd that one just in case someone came over or we had visitors. So all of the leftover bits, like the office, desk and whatever else, was in our bedroom, along with four or five suitcases stacked up on top of each other because we, we were, were ready leaving. to go away. Yeah. Oh, so goodness. it was very crowded um, and it was a small house, which, it, you know, we were grateful for at the time, but mm. then quickly realised that we needed to move. <laughs> so um, in the coming days then, obviously it wasn't all over then. No. He so, spent a while in the ICU, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he was there for three days. So Thursday, it was a Thursday morning around 10.30 that he actually woke up, even though they were trying to keep him asleep. They were trying to drug him up so mm. that he would stay asleep and his body could recuperate. Mm. He um, didn't want to, so he woke up and had his tube removed and he was very um, cheeky, even though he had been through something that he can't even remember. He didn't really say a lot. He no. didn't speak a lot at no. first. And it, <clears throat> it wasn't until the doctor said, oh, you're all good, mate. And yeah, and he's nodding his head and he's, you know, answering these questions. And they actually pointed to me and they said, do you remember who that is? And he actually shook his head and said, no. Oh, and my nice. heart on the inside, I was gutted. And then the little stink, his belly started jiggling because he was giggling. <laughs> I'm like, how could you do that to me? <laughs> I just saved your life. Yeah. And, <laughs> and now I'm going to kill and you. And now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> it totally. Was, oh, it was within two seconds, it was gut wrench to now I want to stab <laughs> you kind of moment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So then he went but he to, did have some memory loss, didn't he? He did. Because he couldn't remember 
from Christmas, wasn't it? Uh, it was before Christmas. So it was at your house. That's we went right. to a staff party a few weeks, That's a few right. days before Christmas. And then he couldn't remember until about the 10th of January. So he missed out on Hannah's birthday. He oh, can't goodness. remember that. Um, but when he got sent to the ward, whatever that's yeah. called, um, he had a lot of visitors. So the ambulance guys who came and saved him actually came a few times. They were uh, quite surprised at his recovery That's and amazing. how, uh, because again, he said, you know, you've got no broken ribs. Normally we break a few and we do that. You actually recovered a lot of the time. People don't. So I guess he was one of their success stories. Wow. And that was amazing to see them, to know that they actually cared and came back to see if everything was okay and how he was traveling. So that was awesome. Um, but he had a lot of visitors and um, most you can't remember, yeah. but um, every night I would write him a text message with after I got home to bed with who came to visit, yeah. what tests got done today, what the doctors had said, so that he had some understanding of what actually happened. Because yes. yeah. uh, shortly after he recovered, <laughs> every few minutes it was, can we go home yet? Oh, why are we here? Okay, so this oh is what's goodness. happened. Um, and we need to stay here for a little bit longer. And he's like, as if, whatever. And I'm like, no, seriously, <laughs> why do you? Th why would we be here yes, <laughs> if something bad hadn't have happened? Oh. So his brother actually came to visit and there was a few stories where he said um, he was helping Greg Miller do some yard work and the wheelbarrow actually flicked up and hit him in the chin. <laughs> That's, That's why the story he said. That. <laughs> and then the other one was he was parachuting and his parachute didn't open. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, oh yeah, gosh. that was um, very interesting and funny times now that we look back on it. We can... Yeah, funny times when you look back on it. Yeah. But how's your trauma level through all of this? <laughs> and It was oh, – I would not wish it on anybody. Oh. I actually – I don't think I experienced trauma to the degree some people do. Yeah. Um, I, I And I uh, definitely had God – by my side for that a lot. Obviously the church was praying a lot. We had a lot of people outside the church praying for him and us. And that actually really helped to sustain my sanity, yeah. I guess, and my joy. Yeah. I would often have people comment, why are you so happy? Like we had birthday cake for Hannah at church one afternoon because it was her birthday and we're singing and laughing and, you know, on the phone to people and they're, you know, we're talking about Nathan and we're having a giggle and they said, how can you laugh? Mm. And I'm like, I'm, I, he's okay. Like mm. as still as dodgy as the situation is, he's okay. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm not happy about it, obviously, no. but I'm not dwelling on the bad mm. of what's happened. Mm. So I can go, okay, he's okay. He's, mm. this is, you know, what I'll, we'll just take it as it comes. Mm. And they would often say, why are you so happy? And I'm like, it's definitely God. It's not me. Because for so someone to go through that. does fear try and creep in? Fear did creep in yeah. um, a lot. <laughs> um, Going to sleep the night uh, he came home must have been brutal. It was horrendous. I didn't sleep. Or if I did, it was very, like one of those little micro yep. sleeps. I felt I was sitting on the bed watching him, making sure his breathing was regular. And as soon as I, if I heard him stop, I would just give him a little poke. <laughs> I don't think he slept much that night either. <laughs> Every five seconds you're poking him just to make just sure to make he's sure. still alive. Um, and then it, uh, the doctor actually um, said, 
because this happened to Nathan, there's a chance that it could happen to the kids as well. So then I had that in my head and I'm going, oh my gosh. So then I would find myself going and checking on the kids as well to make sure that they were okay. And my mum actually came with me, uh, stayed with us for about a month while he was in hospital. And then because I still had to then go back to work to get some funds to come in because he wasn't working. Um, So she would stay at home with him and look after him for that short time. And then one day she goes, okay, it's time for me to go home now. I'm like, no, mom, don't leave me. (laughs) I need you here. And she's like, you can do this. You've got this. And she goes, I'm on the phone if you need me. Just, just call me in the morning. He'll be fine. I'm like, okay. (laughs) No, I was having a little panic attack. But yeah, that night I called her the next day and I said, I didn't sleep, but he's okay. He's all right. (laughs) So then slowly I would get um, a little bit of sleep every now and again. But I would also have reoccurring nightmares that would come back. And I guess the trauma not that it wasn't even trauma it was just the I was frightened I guess to have that happen again considering what the doctors said that it could potentially happen again within six months time um because it was just this random out of the blue not caused by anything kind of heart attack so I um was a bit freaked out so mm, I didn't sleep a lot but I had um two women from the church um come into my house Vicky and Raquel they came and prayed over my house and came into each room and um, I guess cleansed it I guess um, Raquel said that she could see uh, like a ring of trauma and um, turmoil around our bed um, this dark ring and so she prayed over that and it was um, a lot better after that Mm -hmm. having someone come in and see it from a prophetic point of view I Mm -hmm. guess Mm. which was um, not really something that I'd ever experienced before, Mm -hmm. but they could see just from knowing me, they could see that something was not okay. Even Jane Spees said, I'm here if you need to talk. So I had a lot of people um, supporting me um, and Nathan. um, But even though Nathan was getting a lot of, I guess, physical uh, attention from people coming and offering, you know, I'll come and hang out with you or here I'll cook your dinner or we'll come and mow your lawn just to help out. Um, a lot of those people didn't necessarily see what I was going through. No. So um, having, I guess, the women around me to mm. notice something's not mm. okay here. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was... Well, he had the blessing of no memory. <laughs> yes. You weren't so blessed. <laughs> oh, no You way. remembered every yeah. moment of that, didn't mm. you? And Yeah. Yeah. So, so where did you find God in all of that? Well, it was actually... I, I, Obviously, when I called out to God trying to give Nathan CPR, I, you know, I could really feel him there. But it wasn't until a while later, actually. Mm. It was about six months before I actually even opened up my Bible again. It yeah. took me a while just to, I guess, process everything, but also trying to understand why it happened. Like, why mm. did why did God allow this to happen? Everybody's, you know, same question. Why do bad things happen to good yeah. people? And yeah, right. Um, and obviously, you know, we live in a, a broken world and things like that are going to happen regardless of whether you're good or bad. Mm. You know, it doesn't stop. Mm. Um, so it took a little while for me to actually find God again. Yeah. But it wasn't until Nathan actually gave his testimony a short time later. Yes. And he actually, it could, and he read out all the text messages that I'd sent him because he had no idea what had happened. <laughs> So he couldn't really say much. <laughs> you should have been giving the testimony. Yes. Um, and then um, he actually said, people would say, oh, did you see the light? And he goes, 
well, no, like the, you know, the holy light when you, that you see when you're dying. Did you go towards the light? And he goes, well, that was, he goes, that's a bit of a silly question. He goes, I, one, don't remember it if I did. <laughs> um, but he goes, I didn't see God in that way at that time that I can remember. Mm. He said, I saw God when we came, people came to visit him in hospital. He yeah. saw, he would see God in his friends coming and spending that time with him or the doctors coming in and showing him some care. And he said he saw God in me. And I was curious at first. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, Anita would go and talk to the other patients in the ward, in the room, um, that were in the same boat as him. They'd all had some kind of heart mm, mm. attack or something. And I would just go and talk to them and ask them why they're there and, you know, ask about their family. And he actually had an older gentleman who was... Um, in the next bed over, um, and he had a, a, a somebody who would come to visit him, but it was they weren't regular. Mm. And this one day he was eating, and then all of a sudden he started vomiting. And so Nathan had about three, I think three guys were there um, talking to him. So I just like excused myself and went and helped this man find a spew bag, and <laughs> you know made sure he was all good and clean, like cleaned him up and. And he said, I saw you, God, in you Aww. when you would go and do that. No, wow. How many people would just go and offer to clean up somebody else's spew? Vomit, right. And then I thought of you <laughs> because years ago when we had people in our church that got the vomiting bug and you were there cleaning up their hallway because all of them were sick and you're cleaning up all this vomit. <laughs> so I thought of you. <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah, the things we, oh, it is gross. Yep. It is gross. But. It's it's showing God to people, yep, isn't it? And mm. regardless of whether it's gross or mm. not, it's what we do. Yeah, it's how we love people. Yeah. So, so it was. True. Yeah, it wasn't until Nathan actually said that that I'm wow. going. Oh, I never really thought about it like yeah. that. So wow. Yeah, and then I look back and I'm going, wow. Okay, God was there. In the it was evident. It. Yeah, yeah, wow. Mm. But it's often not until we've walked through it and we look oh, back, isn't it? Because absolutely. in the moment you go, God, oh, where are you? Absolutely. Mm. It can feel so, you can feel so isolated, mm. even though you've got people all around you. I asked God for help and I still felt alone. Yeah. But when I look back, mm. I know that he was there. Yeah. And it just, it changed my perspective, yes. I guess. Yeah to when I do walk through a hard time, mm. I now no longer think, where is God? I'm going, okay, God, where are we going with this? Yep. Like, I know you're here. I need you to show me the right direction. Yeah, wow. And it's really uh, helped me to focus on that rather than, oh, my gosh, all this bad stuff is happening to me. What am I going to do about it? Mm. It's like, all this bad stuff is happening to us. God, where are you going to take us with yeah. that? So, it, yeah, it changed my perspective a lot. Wow. Which I guess a lot of people don't. I often hear stories of people who, you know, have gone through hit rock bottom or had a trauma or something and they found God and then all of a sudden they stop. Mm. Their, their love for God disappears or their passion or um, that revelation that they got in that time, they forgot about it all of mm. a sudden. I'm like, how mm. can you forget yeah. about that? Yeah. How can you forget where God has brought you and yeah. where he's brought you out of yeah. for you to then not be walking with God now? So, yeah, yeah I am very um, uh, I am very aware that when bad things happen, okay, this is a test. This is a trial that I'm going to go through that I know God is going to bring us out of for something good. Yeah, wow. But it's hard to see that when you're in it. Yes. So you certainly... Um 
took a turn in your faith journey in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Never the same again. No. And it, like, as even though I still felt, I guess, stagnant in my walk, knowing that other people saw God in me in different ways mm. um, was actually incredible to hear. Mm. But it wasn't really until more about two years ago or so that I actually started diving deeper for myself mm. and really um, getting around other women, especially that have the same drive that are passionate about learning more and making sure we're living a right life and you know making sure that whatever we do it's in line with what God says even though we still stuff up and make mistakes and um, do silly things Mm. I know that I'm gonna have three or four women knocking on my door uh, what are you doing and adjusting or helping me to see my behavior or my attitude or whatever it is that's that you know that's happening I know that they're going to be there and go you know what pull your head in wow do the right thing because we know the right thing wow I heard a little um uh, uh, what I don't know saying saying thank you that's the right word the other day uh from Matt Chandler mm-hmm. actually one of his preachers and he said obey what you know and I thought that is actually very insightful for me Obey what I know because there's so many things in the Bible that we don't understand mm. and Good sinners as well. Like yep. people that don't know God don't know what they're doing. Yep. But when we actually know the truth mm. and we um, have that relationship, if we still continue to do the wrong thing, there's consequences for that. Mm. But if we obey what we know, mm. you know there's amazing things that come out of obedience. Mm. It's it's. I, it's hard to put into words um, what can happen because it's going to be different for everybody, obviously. Mm. But to obey what you actually know, what God has already downloaded to you, what he's already told you, what you've read in the Bible, mm. obey what you know. Well, it's an intimacy with God then, isn't yes. it? Because you're walking closer with him. Yes. And and there's fruit in that intimacy, oh, isn't there? It's amazing. And, the, and so that's what you're walking in. At the moment, currently, the yeah. Uh, the spiritual growth that I've had over the last few years has really surprised me. I don't really feel like I'm this spiritual person as such, but people can go, wow, you've actually come a long way. You can answer questions. You can, you know, make sure that you can pull somebody else into line if they're, you know, mucking around. Or So for me to then go, oh, I've never really thought about it like mm-hmm. that. I've just, you know, it's, I'm just doing me, just mm-hmm. doing my own thing. People can tell. Mm. You can tell when somebody's mm. walking in God and when they're pretending. Mm. So you've obviously found a strength and a depth in fellowship with mm-hmm. others, and which requires a certain level of vulnerability. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it does. <laughs> but seriously, if you're not in life group, get into a life group. <laughs> seriously, the women that I'm surrounded by are... Some of them have known me since we've moved here. Some are newer and others have only just recently met. Yeah. But what they come out with is incredible. And the stories that we share at Life Group are so um, personal or can be so personal about what we're, we're walking through and how it makes us feel and, you know, all the other emotions that come with it and the stories and 
then to have other women in our world go, okay, well, let's look up what the Bible actually says about this situation or you've lost your joy. Okay, let's look up what the Bible says about joy or, you know, you don't know where you're going. Let's see what the Bible says about God guiding you. So for have, to have women who are going, this is, you know, we want to help you, but we're not helping you with our knowledge. We're going to get it from the Bible yeah, and, wow. and help you from the Bible. It's beautiful. Oh, my gosh. I love it. That is so cool, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Wow. It's very cool. Wow. Yeah. I love that. It's it's not a journey to be had alone, our walk with Christ at all, is it? And you've you've found the strength in that, but it comes with a certain amount of sacrifice, doesn't it? You know, in that it's not easy to be vulnerable and open yourself up to others and and sacrifice and time and all of those sorts of Mm. things. But you walk in the trade off of that. Absolutely. And to be honest, the trade-off is quite spectacular (laughs) and it's helping me to be a better wife, a better mother, a better friend, uh, a better mentor and, you know, life group leader. Because if you are called to help other people, Mm. how are you going to help them if you're not actually walking Mm. with God yourself? How are you meant to help show other people where to go or give them guidance in the right direction. You just be repeating what somebody else has told you, Mm. which is not, which is not obviously like, it's not a bad thing, but at the same time, if it's not, I guess, a personal walk, it's less believable. Mm. And people can see the difference between someone who's actually walked through the rough times and found God and gotten back Mm. up again to somebody Mm. who's, oh, I've heard a story about this person who's done that. Yeah. So it's, and and it's a lot more relatable. Yeah, wow. Because everyone goes through hard times. Everyone is vulnerable in mm. some areas. Mm. But until you actually have those meaning those meaningful conversations with other people in your world, how are they to know? Yeah. How are, so how are true. we to know about them? So true. So and then it makes it easier, I guess, for us to, especially if we're if we're in a group where people are opening up, mm. it makes it easier for us to open mm. up. Mm. Very true. Mm. So true, isn't yeah. it? And then we have the opportunity of being blessed by their life story. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps as well because I think if you know, you know, how somebody else has walked through life, when we meet other people and they go, oh, I've gone through this kind of a trauma or I've been through this kind of an experience, you know what, I'd love to hook you up with this person. They've walked through something similar and they are, you know, they're on the other side and they could really give you some guidance and assistance Mm. with Mm. spiritual assistance. Yeah. And to help you through that. Yeah. Mm. Wow. It's good. It's so good. <laughs> what a journey. And you're sub 40. I love it. Yes. Like yeah. so much life still to be lived and so much in there. And yep. the next chapter is going to be a um, a lot of depth, Anita. <laughs> I think um, so. I'm excited to yeah. see what the next chapter yeah. is. I'm waiting, very for, cool. I'm waiting for Josh to ask me to preach. Okay. But I don't like my chances. <laughs> you never know. You never know. I, he I lets me every now and then. So. <laughs> Just got to laugh it. outside of the microphone. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> well, thank you today for your time and for your vulnerability and for blessing us with the God in you. I love it. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. nice. Thanks for joining us today. We pray that you have been blessed and encouraged by the God in Us story that you've just listened to. Can I encourage you that if you get the opportunity, introduce yourself to the teller of the story and tell them that you want to hear more. 
God has blessed us with each other to do this journey called Life Together. 